Just when you think our media and scientific establishment can't lose any more credibility on coronavirus, they come around and surprise you. Dr. Fauci, remember Dr. Fauci, the exalted one, peace be upon him. Dr. Fauci appeared on CNN yesterday to announce some excellent news. They think they've got a vaccine, but there was a caveat. The vaccine might not be all that effective. I doubt seriously that any vaccine will ever be 100% protected. The best we've ever done is measles, which is 97 to 98% effective. Um, Oh, that would be wonderful if we get there. I don't think we will. I would settle for a 70, 75% effective vaccine because that would bring you to that level of would be herd immunity level. Okay, so 70, 75% effective. That's not great, obviously. You want it to be higher than that. But look, as long as we're going to get to herd immunity, that's where you've got, you know, so many people have had the virus that you don't need to worry about it rampaging through the whole country anymore. As long as you do that, I guess that's a good thing. So we're going to get herd immunity, right, Dr. Fauci? Right, Dr. Fauci? Uh, Unfortunately, maybe not. If only say 70, 75% of Americans are willing to get the vaccine and it's only say, I think you just said 70, 75% effective. Is that going to get us to herd immunity? Unlikely. And that's one of the reasons why we have to make sure we engage the community as we're doing now to get community people to help us, for people to understand that we are doing everything we can to show that it's safe and that it's effective. And it's for the good of them as individuals and in society to take the vaccine. So we have a lot of work to do because as you well know, we've spoken about this intensively in the past, there is a general anti-science, anti-authority, anti-vaccine feeling among some people in this country, an alarmingly large percentage of people relatively speaking. I can't imagine why. Can you imagine why there'd be some distrust and skepticism of our public health officials? So what he's saying is that 70-75% effective and 70-75% of people are going to get it. And if that's all that happens, we won't get herd immunity, which means we may not get a vaccine. Even if we do get a vaccine, it won't give us herd immunity. That means the only thing we can do is flatten the curve to avoid overwhelming the hospital system, which we already did. We've done everything we can. And yet, for some reason, we're all locking down again. God, to tell you something, folks, feels a little bit to me like we're being played for suckers, not just on the lockdowns, not just in the political arena, all the way over at the Supreme Court, too. And we got to wake up because the game seems stacked against us. We'll get into all of it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back. There has been a lot going on in the last two days. First, though, got to thank our friends over at BlinkSale. You should not have to waste time creating ugly invoices in Microsoft Word. You should not have to send nagging emails to get your invoices paid when you do send them out. You shouldn't have to worry about getting paid, period. That's not, not supposed to be your job. That's why our friends over at BlinkSale built an invoicing software that helps you stay on top of your money and keep track of everything in one place. With BlinkSale, you can send beautiful custom branded invoices and estimates in seconds. Stay on top of your outstanding invoices. This is something when I've been a freelancer, I just forget to send out invoices. I kid you, I've, I've missed out on more money than I care to mention right now because I haven't stayed on top of that. Let your customers and clients pay your invoices online. You'll even get instant notifications when a customer opens your invoice so you'll actually know if they're just avoiding paying you. You don't want that. See for yourself. Try BlinkSale for free at BlinkSale.com. 
dot com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is B-L-I-N-K-S-A-L-E dot com slash Knowles. Blink sales. Spend less time billing and more time doing what you love. I think we're being played for suckers, folks. And I think some Republican politicians are being played for suckers too. Multiple states now are shutting down again because of coronavirus. I know you might say, Michael, why are they shutting down? They're already shut down. Why are they shutting down again? Well, I'll try to clear that up for you. Yes, we shut down for coronavirus. Initially, that was going to be for 15 days to stop the spread. Then it became 30 days, then 45 days, then several months. But then we uh, reopened briefly so that rioters could tear down our entire country and knock down statues and burn buildings and steal property and kill people. So we had to reopen for that, obviously, because that served the left-wing political agenda. Then, though, once the rioters were done, once the the pride parade was, was over over the weekend, then we had to shut down again because you can't have people going to church or Trump rallies or work. They can only go outside if they want to tear down businesses and tear down monuments. So Arizona and Texas, both shutting down again for COVID. Texas announced this about a week ago. Very sad. Texas was the great hope. Then they shut down again. And they're all pretending it has nothing to do with the riots, by the way. Now, Arizona governor Doug Ducey is ordering bars clubs, movie theaters, water parks, and gyms to close for 30 days in order to curb the spread of the coronavirus. He doesn't get it. The people who are shutting down again don't get it. I mean, on a very practical level, they don't even get what the lockdowns are for. Do they think that the lockdowns are to stop the virus or to cure the virus? That's not what they're for. We don't have a cure. We don't have a vaccine, and Fauci just told us we're not going to get herd immunity even if we do get a vaccine, very likely. The point of the lockdowns was to, was to extend the time period over which people would get infected to flatten the curve, as we used to say, to not overwhelm the hospital system. We've already done that. That's over. That's done. There is no other purpose to the lockdowns. The lockdowns achieved whatever purpose they had. The only reason now to lockdown is because you're panicking, because you, one, don't understand the situation, and two, don't realize you're getting played for suckers. The only effect of the lockdowns at this point will be to harm Trump in November. (laughs) That's the only reason it's being pushed, okay? The one object, the one scientific objective it had, it accomplished. Now all that's left are political objectives. The, The longer they remain locked down, the longer the economy stagnates, the more people are pent up at home, the more frustrated they get, the more riots they get, the more likely that Americans are to elect a comatose Joe Biden president in November. That's all this is about. And I'm not going to play along with it. I am going to ignore the new lockdowns, the reinstituted lockdowns. I'm going to ignore them as best I can. I know in some cases the businesses just aren't open. I can't go in. But in every other way, I am going to ignore them. And I encourage all of you to ignore them too. And I encourage you to ignore the lockdowns flamboyantly and flagrantly. I want you to thumb your nose right in the face of these politicians who either are falling for this stupid political trap or who are foisting it on people with absolutely no basis in medical science, no basis in protecting the public health. All it's doing is affecting a political agenda. LA is following suit. LA has just announced yesterday they're going to close the beaches for 4th of July weekend. Do we think that's going to stop the spread of coronavirus? First of all, every prediction on coronavirus, particularly in LA, has been completely wrong. 
Do you remember now, I guess it was months ago, the mayor of LA, Eric Garcetti said, there is no world, no model in which uh, Los Angeles doesn't look like New York within two weeks. Uh, Two weeks came and went, buddy, and never got even close to New York. LA has handled coronavirus completely fine. And it's good, by the way, it's good to be outside breathing the fresh air and the sunshine. They're locking down though. They're closing for 4th of July weekend as a political punishment. The only reason that they're doing this is to be punitive toward people, to flout their power and to gin up tension in the country. They will fine you allegedly if you show up to the beach in LA with $1,000. Now I am protesting this order in part in the spirit of these protests because I am a Sicilian American and I need to go to the beach to sunbathe so that I can keep my skin nice and swarthy. All right. A lot of anti-Italian discrimination going on these days. They're knocking down Columbus statues and they're not letting me get my suntan. You think I'm joking about anti-American discrimination in America. Do not forget, Italian-Americans were the victims of the largest mass lynching in American history. They don't teach you that one in the history books, do they, kids? No, they don't. But they were the victims of the largest mass lynching in American history. It happened in 1891 and it's why in 1892 you had Columbus Day instituted for the first time as a large holiday in the United States, 400 years after the great navigator's voyage. In part, it was as a way to bring Italian Americans into the whole American community. Now they want to knock that down too. Outrageous. This is what happens when people don't study history. There is good news though, after my slight digression on anti-Sicilian discrimination, there is some good news, which is the LA County Sheriff, Alex Villanueva, says that he will not enforce the beach closure order for the 4th of July. He said that the sheriff's department was not consulted and they will, they will enforce the closed parking lots and traffic on PCH, which means that PCH is the Pacific Coast Highway. So it's going to be hard to get to the beach if the parking lots are closed, but they will not be kicking people off of the beach, which is good. That's a good thing. Uh, this is what we should see more of. We should see more of local departments defying their political overlords. We should see federalism. We should see the local defying the state and the state defying the federal. And we should also see state governments defying the Supreme Court uh, on one particular case we saw yesterday, which we will get to in a moment. They are all coming together to push the narrative again. It is so shameless. They told us for three weeks during the riots and the mayhem and the looting, that coronavirus wasn't a big deal. It was good to gather by the thousands. Actually, it helped stop the spread of coronavirus if you protested for left-wing causes, even though it would encourage the spread of coronavirus if you protested for right-wing causes. And now shamelessly, they're bringing up the coronavirus lockdown again. Andrew Cuomo, the most failed governor in America, the guy with the single worst record on coronavirus, his policy is responsible for killing thousands of senior citizens in nursing homes. Andrew Cuomo has the temerity to go on television during a press conference and spout off on his advice to stop the virus. The president can do two things. First, sign an executive order directing everyone to wear a mask. How we're at this point as a nation, and we still haven't done the simple, easy, minimal step of saying you must wear a mask when you're in public. And the president doesn't have to pass a piece of legislation, doesn't have to call the Congress, just sign an executive order saying wear a mask. We did it two months ago in this state. Let the president have the same sense and do that as an executive order. And then let the president lead by example and let the president put a mask on it. 
because we know it works. We've proven that it works in the state of New York. And the president can still be New York tough and New York smart and united and disciplined and loving. If you were only listening to that clip, if you weren't watching it, then you didn't notice that Andrew Cuomo accidentally gave up the game here, which is he said, the president's got to lead by example. The president's got to wear a mask, put that mask on because masks are so effective and you got to wear them all the time. If you're watching it, you might've noticed Andrew Cuomo is not wearing a mask. He's not, he's not leading by example. What he wants is for the Republican president to muzzle himself on television, look extraordinarily weak for the rest of the world and keep his mouth shut in the process. But Andrew Cuomo gets to spout off. Andrew Cuomo says, we instituted certain policies in New York two months ago. Well, guess what? If you instituted it, Cuomo, then I don't want to follow it because whatever policies you instituted killed thousands and thousands of senior citizens needlessly. So I don't think we need to be following Mr. Cuomo's lead on any of this. Why aren't people wearing masks more? Uh, because all of you people told us not to wear masks for weeks at a time. Remember when this started and the Surgeon General of the United States, to say nothing of all of the journalists, all of the politicians, they said, don't wear a mask. It's bad for you to wear a mask. It will encourage the spread of coronavirus if you wear a mask. Then five seconds later, they turn around and they say, you have to wear a mask. And if you don't wear a mask, you're killing grandma. You, you have no credibility, man. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. You are playing us for suckers. And so I can't believe anything you're saying, and I'm not going to believe anything you're saying. And I'm not going to wear that stupid mask unless I'm going into my favorite restaurants and they make me. But other than that, I'm not going to wear it. Fortunately, people are waking up to this. People are waking up to this from Ventura County all the way across the country to that gun couple that was going around the internet. We will get to that in one second. First though, got to thank our friends over at NetSuite. You know, it's very unfortunate when a business does not know its numbers. Sometimes when a business doesn't know its numbers, the business goes out of business. All you need to know your numbers is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce. You can see everything you need all in one place so you save time, money, and headaches. And don't forget, time is money, and money sometimes can be headaches, depending on <laughs> which direction the money's going in. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite gives you visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders. They assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. Go get it right now. Receive your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now, and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Knowles. Get your free guide, schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Knowles. K-N-W-L-E-S, that is netsuite.com slash Knowles. K-N-W-L-E-S. I think a lot of people are waking up. You know, there's that line, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, which George W. Bush rewrote to be, fool me twice, point is, you're not going to fool me again. And people are waking up to this, slowly but surely. Nothing like nationwide riots and statue toppling to wake you up to a fraud uh, media establishment that keeps pushing fake news. So this guy, uh, I don't even know his name, is just a random citizen, just an ordinary fella in Ventura County, walked up during a council meeting and gave his elected officials a piece of his mind. After waiting for two hours and now getting two minutes, I'll get right to the point. Uh, this board is pretending 
that for the last three months, your emperor, Dr. Levin, has not been against a mask declaration. Now, all of a sudden, we're pretending that masks are everything, even forcing speakers to use masks. I would like the board to take a position. Was Dr. Levin wrong for those three months? And if he was this wrong, why has he not been removed? Why has he not been fired for being so catastrophically wrong? Or do you not really believe he was wrong? You're just wearing these masks because it is a signal of your great virtue. Because for the last three months, we have not worn them. And Ventura County has done outstandingly well and continues to do outstandingly well because we are not Los Angeles. We are not New York City. We never were going to be any of those things. Never were going to be despite predictions to the contrary. And, and consider his main point here on the masks. Because what, what the scientific establishment and the media and the elected officials say is, yeah, we got something wrong, but now we're right. But they're, they're not stopping there. They're saying, look, we once said something, don't wear masks. And we insisted that all of you follow our advice as though it were the gospel truth. And now we've completely changed our mind, 180 degree flip. And we are once again insisting that you follow us as though we were telling you the gospel truth. And we'll actually fine you and, and punish you if you don't follow our directions exactly. That's the problem. People say you're a science denier. Well, what am I denying? Am I denying the, one, the science that said don't wear a mask or am I denying the science that's saying do wear a mask? Science denier, as though it were a religion or, or, or something that you hold to even more closely. And, and if, they're, if what they're telling us now is true, that if you walk out without a mask, you're killing grandma, then we sure do need to fire the people who told us not to wear masks, right? We have to. Because you're killing grandma if you don't wear one. So the people who told us not to wear one, they got to go. We should maybe prosecute them, shouldn't we? Or maybe they don't believe it. Or maybe they, like that CNN reporter who asked a question of President Trump in the, in the briefing room, the minute that she thought the cameras were off, maybe they take the mask off. She didn't realize one camera was still on, caught her doing that. Maybe like that MSNBC reporter who came out wearing the mask and he said, people here aren't wearing masks out on, on the beach. And he was shaming everybody. And then one guy walks up to him and he says, yeah, your cameraman's not wearing a mask either. He said, that's, uh, that's true. My cameraman's not, not wearing a mask. Yeah. Maybe they don't really believe it. Maybe the mask is slipping from the narrative being pushed by the mainstream media. So the guy makes a great point there. Then he goes on and makes a point about hospitalizations. They tell us that the cases are skyrocketing. Well, is that really the whole story? We now have panicked over 51 total hospitalizations in a county with eight hospitals. Can you people do math? Can you please do basic math and understand where we are on this? This is not a crisis. You, however, have created one. You, in an effort to try to prevent all death, when we've had 43 deaths, have now ended all relevant life. And you should all be ashamed of yourselves. And this will never be forgotten ever be forgotten. You will all be held accountable eventually in this life or the next. You all better hope there is no hell because when you die, that's where you're going. And guess what? You're not going to be dying of COVID either. <laughs> oh man, I love this guy. I love him almost as much, maybe more actually, uh, as I love that gun couple that was going around the internet, which, which we will get to in a second. Uh, that's right. People are talking about the cases exploding. Well, what about the death rate? Is the death rate holding? If the death rate is holding, and if the number of deaths is not exploding, then we seem to be in a decent place, right? Because you've told us that we, there's no vaccine. 
So the only thing we can do is not overwhelm the hospital system. Frankly, even if the death rate were, or not the death rate, but if the, the number of deaths were increasing, there's still like nothing we can do according to the scientific establishment, right? Because we still don't have a, a vaccine and the vaccine's not going to give us herd immunity, according to Dr. Fauci. The media here, the people who are pushing this, I, and I, when I say the media, I include the political and scientific establishment because they're all one thing. They're all together. Fauci is on CNN and CNN is setting the narrative and CNN is the Cuomo family, right? The CNN is Chris Cuomo, is Andrew Cuomo. It's all one thing pushing one left-wing narrative. They have no credibility. Ryan Lizza on a different point other than COVID. Ryan Lizza, who was, was tossed out of the media over, over sexual assault allegations, though I guess they weren't true or something because he's back in the media now, back in the White House briefing room. He decided he was going to use his question for the press secretary. Haley McEnany, to find out if the president of the United States was rooting for the Confederacy in the civil war that happened over 150 years ago. Does he believe, does President Trump believe that it was a good thing that the South lost the civil war? And then two, is he interested in following NASCAR's example and banning the Confederate flag at his own events? Well, your first question is absolutely absurd. He's proud of the United States of America. Um, second, with regard to our statues, um, Americans oppose tearing down our statues. There is a Harvard-Harris poll released just last week that shows 60% of respondents said the statues should remain, and 71% said local governments should block groups from physically destroying the statues. So he stands on the side of preserving our history. That woman never ceases to amaze me. She has m more composure, I think, than I would have had in the event of that question. I think personally, if Ryan Lizza or any other reporter were to ask me or the president or anybody that question, I think the answer ought to be, well, Ryan, uh, before I answer that question, do you still beat your wife? How do, you can't say that. How dare you? Well, why? why uh, the question I'm asking is just as fair as is President R Trump rooting for the Confederacy in the war that took place 150 years ago? Just as fair. So just, it's just, an, it's an honest question. I'm not pushing one side or the other. Ryan Lizza, do you still beat your wife? That I think would be, but Kaylee McEnany had a little more composure. She was a little nicer to him. She said, that question's ridiculous and the president doesn't want to topple statues. Then though, then she twisted the dagger as she has wont to do. She twisted the dagger into the New York Times, pointing out how they have no credibility, how they publish lie after lie after lie. And she got a zinger in at the end that I just, I love and I hope it comes true. The president is briefed on verified intelligence. And again, I would just point you back to the absolutely irresponsible decision of the New York Times to falsely report that he was briefed on something that he in fact was not briefed on. Um, and I really think that it's time for the New York Times to step back and ask themselves why they've been wrong so wrong so often. The New York Times falsely claimed Paul Manafort asked for polling data to be passed along to Oleg, Oleg Deripaska before having to issue a correction. In June of 2017, the New York Times falsely wrote all 17 intel agencies had agreed on Russian interference before having to issue a correction that it was only four agencies. In 2017, February of that year, New York Times published a story claiming Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence, which even James has said was almost entirely wrong, New York Times. It is inexcusable. The failed Russia reporting of the New York Times
Times. And I think it's time that The New York Times and also The Washington Post hand back their Pulitzers. Mic drop. See ya. Peace out. Kaylee out. (laughs) I love her. She's just, she is just tremendous. And they should hand back their Pulitzers. I mean, the New York Times just won a Pulitzer for the 1619 Project, the central thesis of which is demonstrably false and has been proven false by many academic historians, including supporters of the 1619 Project. And the New York Times just completely ignored that because it, it, it cut against their narrative. So they should hand back their Pulitzers and we should not grant them any credibility whatsoever on American history or the virus or anything else or anything else the BLM, the riots, the Supreme Court. I mean, any of these issues, we should not grant them any credibility. Kaylee also, this was, this was a ter- terrific press briefing all, all in all, because one thing she pointed out was that the anarchists who are tearing down statues have increasingly found themselves in jail. Hello, everyone. Law and order are the building blocks to the American dream. But if anarchy prevails, this dream comes, crum- comes crumbling down. Anarchy in our streets is unacceptable, and anger is not enough. You have a president committed to action. The DOJ has arrested over 100 anarchists for rioting and destruction of federal property. The DOJ has also charged four men in federal court for attempting to tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson in Lafayette Square. This is great news. And you'll remember that the attorney general, Bill Barr, mentioned when I sat down with him last week for the verdict show, he mentioned that these guys were being arrested. There were indictments, there were investigations, more coming. And now we're we're beginning to see the fruit of that. President Trump was tweeting about it. So it's all happening now. This is very good news. More of them should be arrested and they should be thrown in the can for at least 10 years. I think that's that's the prison sentence for, for pulling down these sorts of statues. However, that's not enough, right? However many are being indicted and thrown in jail, it's not even close to the hundreds of thousands of people we saw taking to the streets, looting, burning, tearing things down. And at the same time, we're being told that we need to defund the police. So unfortunately, people need to take their own safety into their own hands. Most people would prefer not to do that. Okay. I, I, I don't know a single gun owner who wants to have to go out on his property and start aiming at roving bands of anarchists and thugs and looters and possibly killers. I, I don't know anyone who wants to do that. What we'd rather do is live in nice, safe neighborhoods. That's why wealthy people I know, the wealthier they get, the safer the neighborhood they move into. Okay. But when you're being told that police departments are not going to get backed up, they've got to stand down. People are walking off the job. They're getting defunded the law is not being enforced, well, people have to take their own safety into their own hands. And that's what happened with the famous, the now famous St. Louis gun couple. You might've seen them. Uh, To me, this should be the the new image in the Brooks Brothers catalog is this man walking out in a pink polo shirt and white chinos with his white tennis shoes holding an AR-15 and his wife holding a little, I don't know, a little tiny guy, like a little James Bond gun or something. I love these guys. They're doing great. It turns out they're Democrats. I still love them. It's okay. Don't worry about it. What happened? Hundreds of Black Lives Matter anarchists trespassed on private property on their way, by the way, to go bother the St. Louis mayor at the St. Louis mayor's home. As these Black Lives Matter anarchists were marching through the private property, they destroyed some of that private property. Somehow managed to destroy a wrought iron gate and, uh, and possibly some other stuff. So this couple walked out of their home 
still on their own property, and they walked out with weapons. Uh, here is just a quick clip of the, the wife walking out with her James Bond gun while the rioters threatened her life and her property. Get off my lawn. Listen, old man, you don't want to f with me. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Are you crazy? Go back in the house. Yeah, I blow a hole in your face and then I go in the house and I sleep like a baby. You can count on that. We used to stack f like you five feet high in Korea. Use you for sandbags. Uh, sorry, sorry that I got confused for a moment. That was actually Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. But very similar scene you saw from this woman in St. Louis. Walks out with her gun. Didn't have great trigger discipline, I'm sorry to say. But uh, who cares? I mean, that's sort of missing the point when you argue about how she's holding her gun and whether it's safe or not. You know what I don't think is safe? When roving bands of anarchists are marching through private property. I think actually when, when that starts to happen, when the whole country starts burning down and people are shooting and looting and killing and stealing, then I don't think we need to be necessarily so neurotic about exactly how we're holding the gun. I think at that point, you're trying to protect your life and your livelihood, which is exactly what happened. Mark and Patricia McCloskey are their names. Uh, the way they describe it is a mob of at least 100 smashed through the historic wrought iron gates of Portland Place, destroying them, rushed toward my home where my family was having dinner outside, put us in fear of our lives. Of course, that's what happened. They're peaceful rioters, of course. Peaceful, they peacefully destroyed property. They've been peacefully burning down buildings and peacefully tearing down statues and peacefully killing people for the last three weeks. But they are peaceful because the people wearing ties and jackets on the mainstream media tell me they're peaceful. So the city attorney for, uh, for the city, Kimberly Gardner, she's the circuit attorney rather, uh, was very upset about this. She said, you're not allowed to protect yourself. She said, we must protect the right to peacefully protest. You know, like all those rioters were doing. And any attempt to chill it through intimidation or the threat of deadly force will not be tolerated. Make no mistake, we will not tolerate the use of force against those exercising their first amendment rights to steal stuff and threaten people's lives. And we will use the full power of Missouri law to hold people accountable. This is it. These are the, this, the privileged group is Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all the other leftist riders. They're a privileged group. They have the first amendment right to kill you and steal your property. But you, a, a citizen, a law abiding citizen, do not have any rights. First amendment, second amendment, nothing. You've got to lay down and let these rioters kill you all in the name of social justice. That according to the circuit attorney. And at that point, the couple has pledged loyalty to Black Lives Matter. They, it turns out this couple actually is probably Democrats. They've donated to Act Blue many times. Uh, at first, I thought they only pledged fealty to BLM just so they don't get their livelihoods destroyed. And, uh, you know, they're lawyers and obviously they've got a pretty good life going for them. Uh, but it looks like they actually might be Democrats. I don't know if they're Democrats anymore. They might've been Democrats for the last 20 years, but nothing like a band of anarchists to wake you up to political reality regardless of their political views or they cowed to BLM or whatever, I, I give them credit for defending themselves in the moment. They are completely in the right. These rioters are wreaking havoc and stealing property and killing people all over the country. Governments have defunded the police and the only thing left to many Americans is self-defense. If you are not defending the St. Louis gun couple, you just don't get it. You just don't get the political situation that we're in. You just don't get how it's all stacked against you. You think, I would assume, that just as long as we play by the left's rules and we don't rock the boat too much, 
then we'll win eventually. Uh, a victory for us is just around the corner. Just one more judge, just one more judge and we'll win, right? If you think that, you don't get it. You don't get the situation. We'll get to that one more judge issue. We'll get to the Supreme Court in just one second. First though, I've got to thank you. I got to thank you because what started a couple weeks ago with me just wanting to irk my friend Drew Clavin and beat him in the YouTube subscribers has now exploded. We've flown past 100,000 subscribers. Thank you for that. Thank you for uh, subscribing to the Michael Knowles YouTube channel. Please also subscribe to the Michael Knowles Show podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're actually uh, currently number 21 on the podcast charts. We beat Pod Save America yesterday. We flew up past them. Now I think they're at 20 or so. I don't know. They're probably gaming the system. Uh, so certainly please help me beat Pod Save America. And then right now, Ben, Ben is at number 10. And I, I really want to beat Ben on the charts. I really, I, I, you know, look guys, I don't ask for much. I really, I really want to beat Ben on the charts. So please uh, go over there, subscribe, leave a five-star review. We'd appreciate it. Uh, you know, we have uh, lots of uh, fun bonus content all over the place. I just did a, a interview with my friend Dan Bongino and Dave Rubin and lots of other stuff. Also, speaking of Ben, the left will stop at nothing to destroy the American way of life. Uh, they are what Ben calls disintegrationists. That's like, you heard of segregationists? They're disintegrationists uh, in his new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You can pre-order it at dailywire.com slash Ben, or you can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble all over the place. Covers the two fundamentally different visions for America. Uh, ben, ben covers all of this in his book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Pre-order it at dailywire.com slash Ben. I feel like Ben writes a new book every week or so, but he can do it. I know the guy's a robot. He's just, he is able to churn that kind of content. Always very interesting stuff. Head on over there. We'll be right back with a lot more. We just got to play by the left's rules and then we'll win. But don't rock the boat too much. Look, we, we have a fair shake. We just, we need to win one more election. Got to nominate just one more judge. And then we'll start winning back the culture and the institutions and our political establishment. Right? Wrong. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. And if you still believe that that's the case, you have not been paying attention. Yesterday, we got more evidence of this in a Supreme Court decision, June Medical Services versus Rousseau. This centered on whether or not Louisiana could put into place any restrictions on abortionists, any basic health restrictions. So here was the restriction in, in Louisiana. They said that because the left is saying that abortion is just a regular medical service and abortionists are just regular health service providers, then those abortionists needed to have admitting privileges at a local hospital. They're just holding the abortionists to the same standards they would hold any other medical professional, as we are being told abortionists are just medical professionals. Obviously they're not, but that's what the left is saying. So we say, okay, by your own premise, we're, we're just saying that they have to be safe. They got to have admitting privileges at a hospital. Not allowed to do that. Not allowed to do that. Not allowed to hold the left to its own standards. The left has double standards. If they didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. Well, ha hold on. I thought we had a conservative court. I mean, this is so obvious. Of course, Louisiana can, can regulate its medical servicers, its medical providers to have to be certified, right? They can, they obviously can force medical providers to have to have admitting privileges, can't they? No, no, because it might threaten that sacrosanct 
sacred right enshrined in invisible ink in the constitution that gives a mother a right to kill her child. Where is it in the constitution? I don't know. I, no one's been able to point it out to me, but it's somewhere in there apparently. How did we, how did, how did we get such an egregious decision? We have a conservative court, don't we? Nah, John Roberts, Bush appointee, conservative judge, remember? Same guy who upheld Obamacare on bogus reasoning. John Roberts decided to say that because of past precedent, because there have been so many bad abortion decisions already, then the doctrine of stare decisis, meaning you give deference to, to precedent, uh, forces them to treat those cases alike. And Louisiana law imposes a burden on access to abortion. And, and so therefore, Louisiana can't do that. And, and Roberts had the temerity to invoke Edmund Burke. Edmund Burke is the sort of first modern conservative philosopher. He, he thinks there should be evolution, not revolution. Things should proceed slowly. We should give some credence to precedent. This is a lot like Neil Gorsuch invoking Scalia in his outrageous decision two weeks ago. Burke has nothing to do with this. Even story decisis has nothing to do with this. In fact, as we saw in the dissent, it's exactly the opposite. The idea of, of this Burkean conservative give, give deference to the wisdom of the ages only works if you are allowed to change things over time. But what Robert said is no, because we had like one bad decision way, way back, we have to let them decide our law for the whole, whole rest of the future. Really what they wanted, what Roberts wants is to maintain the liberal establishment because he, he doesn't want to rock the boat at all. He wants to play by the rules and he wants to manage the decline of America. Justice Thomas, a great guy, great judge, he, he put it simply. He said, our abortion precedents are grievously wrong and should be overruled. Simple enough. And it, it reminded me of another story. There's a story that the AP just put out, Associated Press, and they put it out without a byline. And they put it out without a byline because they don't want their journalists to be killed by the Chinese communist government, which does that sort of thing. And the article was, was critical of China. It said, China cuts Uyghur births with IUDs, abortion, and sterilization. China cuts the Uyghur. It's, China is killing this Uyghur population. They put them in concentration camps. They've used them for slave labor. The Uyghurs are these Muslims who are living in China. China is committing a genocide against them right now through contraception, IUDs, abortion, sterilization. Why is that bad? Why is it bad? Why is this a bad thing? So bad that it's newsworthy. The AP is going to write about it. So damaging to China that the journalists are afraid for their lives, that they won't even put their name on the article. Why is it bad? This is, this, we're doing the same thing. The United States is doing the exact same thing. We have IUDs. We got abortion. People sterilize themselves. What's the issue? Well, the issue here, what they would say is, well, it's about consent. You see, the Uyghurs aren't consenting to, to killing their babies. Whereas in America, people do consent to killing their babies. And so it's good when, it, when Americans do it and bad when the Chinese government does it. Consent, that's the only thing. Is that the only category that we can possibly speak about with, with any moral discourse? It, this reminds me of arguments during slavery. The arguments during slavery before the, the Civil War were about that it was, this question of slavery was really one of states' rights. But then the next question became clear, which is states' rights to do what? States don't have the right to do anything. States' rights to do what? People's consent to do what? If conservatives want to have any chance of reclaiming any power in this culture, 
we need to move past this shallow question of mere consent. Well, as long as you choose to do it, you can do whatever you want. That's all. I'm just for choice. I'm pro-choice. Yeah, the choice to do what? We need to be able to have a substantive moral and political dialogue. Otherwise, conservatives, conservatives actually have nothing to offer, right? There's no surprise that the liberals would have taken over the entire culture and politics and institutions because they offer something. They offer a substantive moral vision. It's a, it's a terrible one, but it's still a moral vision. I mean, consider Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger, the, the patron saint of Planned Parenthood, who's taught as a wonderful American in schools. There's a bust of her in the Smithsonian, I believe. Margaret Sanger, one of the most wicked women in American history. Talk about statues that should come down. No one, no one ever seems to tear down her statue. Margaret Sanger offered a substantive moral vision about abortion, about life, that is perverse. She, it's exactly the opposite of reality. But listen, listen to her vision for life. Not so different than the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Not so different from the left today. Do you believe in sin? When I say believe, I don't mean in believe in committing sin. Do you believe there is such a thing as a as sin? Well, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just mark when they're born. That, to me, is the greatest sin that people can, can commit. But sin in the ordinary sense that we regard it, do you believe or do you not believe? Well, what? What would they be? Do you believe that infidelity is a sin? Well, I don't, I'm not going to specify what I think is sin. I've stated what I think is the worst sin. The yes, sin. but then you asked me to say what, and I, and I said what, and, and, and uh, you refused to answer me? Ah, yes. I don't know about infidelity. It has so many personalities to it, and what person's own belief is. You can't, I couldn't generalize um, any of those things. Consider the perversity of that. This is one of the great heroes of the American left, and, and really, you know, considered the, the great hero of Planned Parenthood. She says that the worst sin in the world is letting people live. The worst sin in the world is not killing people. And then the interviewer, Mike Wallace, says, what about all the sins that we consider sins? You know, like you know, violating the Ten Commandments, that sort of thing. Adultery. She goes, well, I don't know about that. I can't talk about adultery. Well, of course not. Because if, if for this woman, the highest virtue is killing people. I suppose the highest virtue for her would be consent to do all of these terrible things. She is offering, a, I mean, a, truly a satanic vision of the world, saying that the, the worst thing you can do is let human beings live. But that is a moral vision. We need to oppose that with an opposite moral vision. If we don't do that, then we, then we are consenting to the left running roughshod over the whole culture. And frankly, we deserve what we get if we're not willing to actually stand up and oppose it. We are being played for suckers. I'll give you one last example of this before we have to head out for the day. They're, they're pushing for nationwide mail-in votes. That, that not, not just that if you're out of town or you know, you're deployed or something, then you can mail in your vote, but for everybody so that no one has to go to the polls because of the coronavirus, which is super duper deadly and going to kill all of us unless you want to go riot or go to a pride parade, then you're immune from coronavirus. But everyone else, you know, you're, if you go to church or something, then you're going to catch it. You know that one. So they're trying to push for mail-in ballots for everybody the attorney general, as, as we were speaking last week, and uh, other, other people in the administration pointed out, this is going to lead to widespread voter fraud. The left denies it. They say there's no voter fraud. No voter fraud with mail-in ballots. Never happens. By the way, in Los Angeles now, when you, when you get your mail-in ballot, because they, they send, you can opt in, they send you one, it'll say your political party on the outside of the envelope. 
It'll t- it basically, there's a, like a big sign in Los Angeles that says, throw out this ballot. This is a Republican. There was one time I showed up, I voted in the, the primary in the Republican primary. I was one of the few Republicans in my neighborhood in LA. And I showed up in the general election. I had been purged from the voter rolls. I just wasn't there. This happened to two other Republican friends of mine, which constitutes, I think, about 75% of the LA Republican population. There, there are all these anecdotes. People hear these stories all the time about craziness going on at the ballots. This, is, this has been true of politics for all of history. But we know that it's happening. We know it's happening specifically with mail-in ballots. The New Jersey Attorney General, Gerber S. Grewal, just filed criminal charges against four individuals, including two city council officials last week, I guess two weeks ago now, for allegedly engaging in voter fraud with mail-in ballots. Those people are Michael, Michael Jackson, not that one. <laughs> He's a first word councilman and council vice president of Patterson, New Jersey. He's a left winger. Alex Mendez of Patterson, Shalim Kalik of Wayne, New Jersey, and Abu Razian of Prospect Park. I think those were just the two operatives. You had the voter fraud, the mail-in voter fraud being committed by elected officials. You know, the very same elected officials who are now telling you that there's no worry about voter fraud if, if we go to a full mail-in ballot. Don't worry. There's no big, what? You don't want people to vote? What? You're against people voting? What are you? Some kind of racist or something? That's what they're telling you. They're playing you for suckers. Don't let them do it. If we are not willing to offer a substantive vision, and if we are not willing to exercise the political power that we have, the little tiny bit of political power we have when we have it, then what's the point? If we're not willing to do that, I guess we just don't get it. All right, that's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant Director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, we're always talking about the narrative, how the left dominates the narrative. And it turns out our courts, our racial activists, our health so-called experts have all shown themselves to be creating a false narrative out of empty and dishonest philosophies. How are we going to answer them? What story do conservatives want to tell instead? We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show.